G'day guys, welcome G'day. back to the podcast. I'm as always, National Road to Johnny Tavarum. Johnny, we've got a bit of feedback. Not clear at all to me, Dan. Not clear at all to me, Dan. Is that working? Yep, that's no, all good. Everything you did just then was just uh, jumping on the water. On the water. Yeah, yeah right. Water. Oh, well, of course, we've got um, Phil Liggett joining us, the voice of song. I've, I've rattled already. There's feedback, there's mic issues. But uh, we had a, a big stage of the of the Giro last night, lads, stage four. It, we knew the conditions were going to be rank. And uh, what what were your thoughts, Iffy, on the, uh, the final proceedings? Well, uh, Stewie's been big on social media today, telling me he got it right and uh, I got it wrong because he said the breakaway would uh, would stay away. It was an amazing day, actually. Absolutely atrocious conditions. Um, a, a strong breakaway. Twenty-five riders got clear, um, and they put in. They got a bit, bit over eight minutes. But when the, once the bunch started really chasing towards the end, they closed it really quickly. It didn't look like they're going to get within about four or five minutes, actually. And at the end, it was just a, a minute thirty, I think, from from the winners. Um, I'll tell you who I thought was going to win it. Chris, uh, the Joker, Chris Jules, uh, Jensen. Uh, he uh, was away with uh, what was his name now? The, the uh, inter, intermarche guy, and they, the, uh, the Estonian, and they had uh, just about a minute on the rest of that break onto the last climb, and, and I thought Chris was going to, to win it, and then he nearly held them long enough. If we could have just got another K up the road, he would have been able to get over the top with those and probably would have won the stage. But Dombrowski, uh, the American, who was sort of the wonder kid a few years back, won the the, the uh, um, 211 the stage. area. Yeah, 211. No, he won the 211 era and was touted as the big star, went to Sky, never, and then had all these uh, other issues. But he's back. He's his 30th birthday uh, today, actually. So 29 when he won that. He's 30 today. Uh, but it was a really strong win. He uh, uh, rode clear over the top of the last climb and, and went alone. Uh, fantastic uh, stage. But the real race, which we'll talk about, was the race for the uh, for the GC, for the big hitters, uh, back. And uh, I'll tell you who really impressed me was uh, Banal, Egan Banal. Uh, they can do a base through back and everything, but he looked the goods uh, yesterday for sure. Uh, what were your thoughts, Phil? Well, I didn't see yesterday's stage, but I did read up about when I got back home. I was out all day uh, doing a bit of post-COVID walking around. And um, well, I've known Joe for a long time, Dombrowski, and he's, he's always promised, as John said, he's always promised something he's never delivered yet. He's ridden the Giro five times, finished every time, never abandoned, uh, and finally yesterday he got his win. I made his birthday yesterday, according to my records, it's on the 11th of May, uh, but I didn't see any note of it on the reports I read, but he was 30 yesterday. And he's the first American to win a stage since, uh, if I think rightly, TJ Van Garden back in 2017. And not many Americans have won stages of the Giro. Um, it's, again, an indication the way this race is happening, and indeed the way the whole season has gone, the racing has been very unpredictable and I think has been benefited from it enormously because we've watched great bike races. I've watched almost every race this year, all on television and uh, not commentated on any because of Paris-Roubaix being cancelled. But I've enjoyed every race. The peloton are deep thinking with their favourites and the escapees, it's paying off. What about Taco van der Horn? 
that was one of the best rides I've seen in years. In oh, a great yeah. way, for about 170 kilometers of seven men, took his chance about 20k out, got away on his own 17 to go, and he won by about 60 meters on the line. Reminds me of Stuart O'Grady when he lost right on the line in the Tour de France after about a 200-kilometer breakaway. Uh, so I think it's been a great tour in the making at the moment. And I think the only one who's lost contention was yesterday was Almeida. I think everybody else is still in with a shout. We'll know maybe after tomorrow's stage. Well, if you mentioned before Chris Yul Jensen, here was his uh, comments post the finish line. See, it was hard. Definitely a hard day, but just about mitigating risk, eh? No, it was a hard day, but actually got a bit of a smooth ride for most of it, but that last climb. You're definitely the wet weather specialist, though. Oh, yesterday's question. Oh, yeah. Like, one year, boy. <laughs> you know, Great you know, effort. You have eyes in the back of your head these days, don't you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you notice his accent because he was brought up in Ireland. And yeah. he's, got, he's got an Irish accent like Sean Kelly. Not quite as broad as Sean. But, uh, um, yeah. And I didn't know that till, till I was listening to commentary this week, uh, that he spent most of his life being uh, brought up in Ireland, educated there. So that's why he sounds like an Irishman now. And uh, Scotty, a guy, big loser of the day, was our mate uh, George Bennett. Uh, he lost, I think, what was it, a minute and a half. And they said it was just the cold that uh, really killed him in the end. No, he lost four, four and a half, mate. He's uh, he's done and dusted. Yeah, Are you coming, sure? yeah, yeah. He was further down. He was, yeah. And coming yeah. from from New Zealand, and you know, obviously ben graduated from the Tour of South, off, and he should be good. Uh, okay. But remember, no, he's, he's only three ten off in the overall. Right. And you take you take off the one the the time of Bernard one thirty nine. He's only a couple of minutes down still, so that can be replaced. But you never know with George. He's a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde character. He can have a fantastic day and seem to be the finest bike rider in the world. Then he can go a little bit down and, and lose his place on the overall. So, as I say, tomorrow's a good chance to show you your colours tomorrow on the uphill finish. Well, Jai um, Italy also lost a, a little bit of time, guys. He came in not too far behind. He came in with Vincenzo Nibali. And I think for, for Nibali, it just showed, you know, he's only had three weeks since he broke his, his wrist. So it's going to be a real challenge for him. But uh, showing some courage, obviously, just to line up and get through. Um, so we'll see how Jai goes as things progress. Remco Evanapol, who was coming in as this sort of second favourite, lost a, a little bit of time, only, only a few seconds. But um, I, I wouldn't... I wouldn't put too much into that actually i think he's just going to keep getting better and better and better he's just this incredible um you know level of athlete that uh, the longer it goes he may actually end up being very good in the third week um if he can uh, recover from these races so it'll be interesting to see yeah so i just had a quick check it was at three minutes and eight seconds is what he lost uh what uh, george lost to to the leaders but two 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 minutes uh just under two minutes to um, to Bernal. So, so what we had really, we had you had the yeah Bernal, uh, Lander, Sukoni, and uh, Hugh Carthy who rode really strong. They were the group. They were the strong groups. They're the ones who've come out of this, you know, looking really, really good. Then Yatesy, Simon Yates, Remco, Venipol, Bade, and uh, Dan Martin, just eleven seconds back from the Bernal group, and then you had Nibali, uh, Sivakov. Jai Hindley and Bookman uh, at uh, 28 seconds back from Bernal. So, um, yeah, not 
really bad. But the fact that you couldn't go with them is a worry on its first climb uh, uh, of the tour. So tomorrow is going to be a really interesting uh, day because day six has got uh, uh, um, a big 16K climb to finish plus a monster of a climb in the middle of the stage as well. So that'll be an interesting one. Um, Johnny, because I, I, Lander really backed himself, didn't he? He was the first of the big guys to really go. Chikone went um, first on the last climb, but then... Yeah. Lander of the real favourites was the next one to hit out. So he showed a lot of confidence confidence by going early. But Bernal, he was so impressive. The way he closed the gap yeah. down, he looked like, of the big guys, he looked by far the most comfortable. Yeah, well, I thought I thought Bernal and and, uh, and Lander were the, by the two standouts because Lander's attack was really brutal, put a big gap in really quickly. And then, as you say, Bernal closed it. Just as quickly, and then got to them, uh, and they. Uh, I thought Bernal was the strongest, but Lander uh, very close to it. Hugh Carthy also bridged part of that alone and, and looked very good too. So I've actually picked him to get onto the podium uh, after yesterday's performance. I think. Uh, well, sorry, grab with Lander um, on Cycling News, and they said, "Oh, you'd have to be considered as one of the favourites now for the Giro." After that, Ron, he said, "I thought I already was before the start of the Giro." <laughs> like if that's not confidence. <laughs> and then yeah. they asked me about Simon Yates, and that goes, I don't know. I look back, and they were all suffering, so I went. So yeah. there's a bit of mind games happening early on. Yeah. Scooter, yeah. how important knowing how hard the second and third week is is to ride within yourself? Because if you burn matches or go into the red in this first week, you're going to be paying big price in those in that last block. Well, Stewie yeah. O'Grady, I talked to Stewie today, and he said, to "Who did I ask that question to, John?" John's gone off dairy milk, he's gone off almond milk, and he's gone on to goat's milk because he keeps butting in. <laughs> That's a good one. I remember that one. Scott. You remember that one. The, um, I, was, I, was, I was thinking exactly the same thing. And uh, look, you know, every stage in, in all these grand tours are always pretty tough anyway, but it was really brutal. You know, that was super cold, wet really draining on the riders in those conditions. And then those climbs, the last couple, last two climbs were really nasty. So it's one of those things. How do you hold back? I don't think anybody really wants to lose any time. And of those favourites that John just, uh, you know, that group of favourites that John just called out, 28 seconds, you know, the maximum of those main riders, that's not much. You know, you can overcome that definitely in the last, in the third week of the race. But you've got to also hedge your bets. You've got to make sure that you are patient when you need to be conserve energy where you need to be. But I think last night, as the first test, was a place where you don't really hold back. I think you just have to go deep. Look, today's today's stage is pancake flat. You know, it goes in the one direction the whole way. The winds are only going to be about 15 kilometres per hour from the south-southwest. If that's not too bad, then it could be an easy day for the riders. And, you know, these GC guys, they recover so quickly, and that's what they'll be hoping to do on, on today's stage. So... We'll see how that plays out. Now, you also mentioned Hugh Carthy before John butts back in again. Hugh Carthy looked <laughs> awesome, but I've got to say, he did spend time in. I don't. I'm not living in Bendigo anymore, but I spent a lot of time in Bendigo, and I'll always give it a wrap whenever I get a chance. The local bunches there are fantastic. Hugh spent a lot of time or a couple of seasons in Bendigo, having an off-season, pre-season training camp, and look how well he is going at the Giro. Yet. He didn't stand a chance at getting any of the Strava KOMs when he was in Bendigo. So, you know, that's how strong the Bendigo bunch is compared to the Giro Peloton. 
There you go. Uh, you there you go. Last question we're going to ask you for the day, anyway. Long day, long day. <laughs> what were you saying about Shui O'Grady, John? Oh, well, he was just, just we, we were talking about, in answer to your question, he, he was, uh, he thought it was a brutal stage. And he said, but this is the toughest Giro he can you know, recall. And he just wondered the tactics of uh, Ineos to. Uh, put so much effort on in, in the uh, last 40K uh, to, to waste Ghana. For what reason? Why did they make use all the energy for Ghana? Why, what, for what? He couldn't put a reason to it, which I, I, I don't know either, because um, he, he, he's going to be very crucial in, in the weeks coming. But uh, he just wondered if, uh, you know, first day in the, in the climbs, only stage four, and they're using a lot of energy. Yeah, and that's the that's the issue when you do get very excited for these grand tours. It's the ability to hold back, hold back, and and you've seen particularly last year, it's the teams that haven't had to expel a lot of energy and they've just pinched them at the death. So um, it's going to be interesting, definitely that second and third week. But looking at the stage, Scotty, you mentioned it before. I think um, Homer Simpson sort of sums up my initial thoughts when I. Boring. Oh, so I've been working on that gag for a while. <laughs> pancake, pancake flat. Um, well, obviously, is that is that climb at thirty six point two or thirty five point two? There's a bit of a climb there, and uh, that's not a climb. It's a shaky pen. The man's been drinking. <laughs> <laughs> it's got the rattles. Um, yeah. But obviously, uh, Caleb Ewan, you know, it always takes him a couple of stages to sort of find his rhythm. Um, You'd, you'd obviously be thinking he'd have to be a chance, but then you look at the confidence from some of these other sprinters. Uh, they've all sort of been getting their trains working. What, what are your thoughts for this one, Ify? Well, we don't know how he's sprinting because we haven't seen him sprint yet. He never mm. actually got the sprint in, in stage two. Uh, they were too far back and he finished 10th, but he, he never actually sprinted. Uh, he got dropped uh, two days ago. When uh, that surprised me, the fact that Viviani was still there at the finish, uh, and Gaviria and, and uh, Caleb wasn't, but he, and he got spat 45k to go, he, did, he didn't look comfortable. So, obviously, he hasn't come right to form, but this is a different story. Well, we'll uh, I, I would, I would still pick him to win today. I still think he's the quickest guy here if he, he gets it all together. Uh, and Gronovagan and probably, uh, will, will have improved a fraction as well. So, we're going to have, you know. Some good sprinters out there. It's going to be a, a, a really exciting uh, finish tonight. Phil, if you had 50 quid just to smack down on the stage, where would you be riding it? I think I, I fancy Grunewagen to win today. Yeah. I think uh, he's, 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 he's very disappointed with the way that the problems panned out. I mean, he served a suspension, you know, for the crash uh, with um, Jakob. And and, uh, and now there's a little hoo-ha going on in the press and things and uh, he thought it was all behind him. I think he's an angry man. And he wants to prove a point. He was nearly there. He was third to Tim Melier. And now we'll see. I think today he'll probably pull it off and, and feel a little bit better because of it. Um, he feels pretty badly done to, even though he admits to the, the problem that caused the crash. Uh, sprinting is sprinting. Yeah. And Scooter? Uh, yeah, I think Grunewagen, um got to got to put money on, on Caleb, but uh, Tim Merlier, mm. it would be interesting to see. You know, he was fresh legs, fantastic on stage two when he won that stage. Went early, no one could get past him. So if he gets a clear run, he'll be hard to beat as well. Mm -hmm. Now had a couple of days in the legs and, and after yesterday's tough stage, yeah. it'll be interesting to see who bounces back from these sprinters.
Now, what yeah, and, and Viviani too. I mean, Viviani's actually sprinting really well. He's made a couple of little mistakes. He sat back a fraction too long the other day, and whatever. But he's actually pretty well. And he actually did get third. He beat Grunewagen the other day for third. Grunewagen should have got third, but he eased up and then through too late. So, uh, and he said gave... a lot of energy yesterday, John. He was like, <laughs> yeah, well, he got spat early as well, but um. Yeah, so they gave it to Grenovagen, but then the, in the photo showed that Viviani got third uh, on day two. But I think uh, they, it'll be all those. You, you, you can't discount uh, Melier. I mean, he, he was, that was a fine stage mm. win on stage two. Went really early. So. so the situation with the show is we've sent a link out to Matt White. He's somewhere, obviously, on the ground uh, at the start. It was a later start, so we started a bit early today. So what we're going to do is go to a break now uh, with a quick word from Bike Exchange. When we come back, we've got the co-commentators for uh, the Olympics for the Australian coverage. Let's talk commentary. Let's shoot the breeze, and who knows where it's going to go. It's going to be entertaining, so hang around. Look at this bike. You think it's just a bike, right? But it's not. <clears throat> it's a bike. 374 people are looking at. This guy, this girl, them, all looking at it. People from here, there, and wherever this is. People that are looking for a bike. Or just a piece of it. Amateurs. Semi-amateurs. And pro-amateurs. This guy wants this bike, but with this crank and these bars. This could be the perfect match, but not this one. This girl has a bike to sell, and thousands of people might purchase it. Eyes on Bikes help grow small businesses. His, hers, yours, and the latest data and insights help those businesses keep moving. We are the world's number one bike marketplace with over 500,000 products and 900 brands where buyers and sellers are brought together in a place where a bike is never just a bike. Bike Exchange, where the world buys, sells, learns and rides. Thanks again to our great mates at Bike Exchange. Now, as we said, uh, Phil and Scotty, you, you guys are going to be commentating together again for the Olympics you have done since 2012 for the Aussie TV broadcast. Now, I want to start with you, Phil. You must have been obviously gutted like everyone else in the world when you realised that you actually couldn't commentate on the ground in Tokyo. It would have been uh, such an amazing experience to be there live. Yeah, it would have been. In fact, the only man that's come out of this uh, smiling is... Uh is Van Avermaet because he's been an Olympic champion for six years instead of four. Apart from that, I think everybody's really disappointed. And I feel very sorry for Tokyo and the organisation because it will go ahead, of course, uh, in the end of July into August, the Olympics in Tokyo, but there'll be no international spectators. Uh, and that's, that really is so sad for, for Japan, who've built all the installations and the money comes from the people that go and watch, etc. Uh, they'll lose a lot of money whatever way it goes. From my point of view, I was never going to Tokyo on this occasion because of the proximity of the velodrome and Scott's in the same boat as me, of course. Um, it was too long to drive out to the velodrome from the headquarters of the Olympic Games and back in the same day. It's and it, You can't put a whole crew out there for five or six days, uh, for, which would be a full week, really, for the track, track event. So it was planned for Scott and I to be together uh, with Anamir's in uh, in melbourne and uh, and that of course has fallen through the boards now because australia doesn't want me anymore because <laughs> COVID. So, uh, i've got to go to london and about two weeks ago i made the uh, uh, the, the tests in the studio in london 
They were surprisingly very good. Uh, Scott flew up from, from his home to Sydney, and I was talking with Scotty just like I am now. We did some uh, we did some role commentary on the races from the Olympics in 2012 in 2016, uh, which was quite fun to remind ourselves what happened in 2016 and how tough that road race really was for both the men and the women, and um, and it all went well. So as of tomorrow, I have a phone call uh, coming through from Channel Seven to discuss where we go from there. Uh, it's not a hundred percent deal yet. Uh, but I think we're now very close. They want me, I want them. It's all about technical aspects. Uh, and so hopefully tomorrow we'll sign off in the Olympics. I will do from London and I'll chat with Scotty, who will be on his third beef sandwich at, uh, in Sydney. <laughs> now, <laughs> Scotty, before we say, go to you guys, we've got Matthew White. He's live, so we don't know how long we've got him for. Matthew so White we... has never been live. It's impossible. <laughs> yes, here he is. <laughs> Gentlemen, Mr. White. How are we? How, how are you, mate? mate? <laughs> yeah, good. Good, good, good. How are you yes, travelling? Yeah, good. It's uh, very, very uh, muggy uh, at the start today. Uh, it's been trying to rain, uh, and the weather... Weather forecast has changed a few times, but um, we should, could have a little bit of wind again today, but certainly better conditions and a lot warmer than yesterday. Oh, what do you think? Just when there's any crosswinds likely to blow up to make the race a bit more exciting. Uh, there is potential there, Phil, definitely. The um, the strange thing is, is that the wind is supposed to be coming from the mountains. So how reliable that... Um, that win will be, we'll find out. We've got some people uh, in front of the race to, to make sure we uh, get that information live. But the tricky thing about today is, uh, which may not be so exciting for television, is we've got a very typical Giro run-in on the coast uh, with lots of road furniture and a very technical last three kilometres. So uh, it'll be very, very, mm. it'll be really nervous final today. Hey, Waddy, do you have wind meters or do you go back to the old Julian Dean grass, throw in the air, lick the finger and then feed that info back? Uh, we do. We do. We are flexible. Um, we do have, uh, we do have, we do have meters, but uh, the way that Julian used to assess by picking up a bit of grass and uh, that race sense to see which way the grass was blowing uh, was, uh, was nearly as, as accurate. It was like Maximus and Gladiator when he rubbed the dirt in the fingers and that. It was just took years to master that craft. Uh, uh, if you've got the feel, if you got the feel, you got the feel. That's right. That's now, right. Whitey, I've, I've got to ask you. I mean, uh, really important stage uh, last night with last night for us, yesterday for you. Uh, first day into the climbs, and uh, Yates he was good. He was only eleven seconds back from from the other from who he's worried about, Banal and so. But how is he, and and what actually happened? Good. Uh, what actually happened? Uh, he when he went to react at that moment, he was a little bit late to react and then got caught in between the two groups. And what the television didn't pick up is, uh, so he was after chasing those guys. Then he got caught by the the ones behind Evan Poole and uh, and Dan Martin and three or four other guys. And uh, the gap stayed the same until the finish, and he, he lost eleven seconds there. So yesterday it was uh, the, those conditions. They were tough, and uh, a lot of guys. The first uh, first hit out of the well, it wasn't a mountain stage; it was a sort of a medium mountain stage. But the weather conditions made the um, made the uh, made the race a lot tougher than it may have looked. So it it wasn't the, the, tomorrow's the first big mountain stage, and uh, 
the way I think that with now with the marquee and the jersey um, and the break staying to the line yesterday, I think we're going to see a very, very aggressive start tomorrow because everyone knows that, that the Israel Academy or your startup nation, um, they will want to keep the jersey for as long as possible. Uh, but also it's a tough start tomorrow and I think they will be pretty vulnerable in controlling a breakaway to the line. So their objective will be to uh, to keep the jersey. Today will be won't be an issue. But I expect to see a very, very aggressive start tomorrow because of what we saw yesterday and now who is in the Malia Rosa. Scooter? Uh, Whitey, with today's stage, off the back of yesterday, um, looking at the map, it is absolutely dead straight the whole way. Um, pretty easy for riders to get a little bit, perhaps a little bit complacent. You know, it's such a, like the map actually looks the same as the profile, dead straight, one direction. Um, I think it's 15 kilometres per hour winds or something predicted later in the afternoon. So what's the message that you say to the riders in a stage like this? You know, it could be one of the easier stages of the tour and a good recovery day. But at the same time, if you don't pay attention, you could miss a split. Yeah, there's 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 a split. But the, the other thing there, Scott, is um, just when you're coming through these towns, especially on the coast and, as we've, as we've seen over the last 10 or 15 years, the local councils have uh, put in a lot of pedestrian crossings, um, uh, di- different types of boulevards, then just the medium strips and road furniture. So every town they go through will be stressful, even if it is going easy. So you've got to pay attention and stay focused, even on these potentially easy. Oh, we lost him. I don't know what Ooh. happened then. He was talking and then he's gone. That was rapid, wasn't it? <laughs> That's a first for the detour. <laughs> See, this is the danger, Phil, of when you're not on the ground, things like this happen, mate. So he might come back. Um, Here we we, we we did have a comment while you were chatting before from Sheila and she said, I hope they give Phil a bigger closet than the one that Tour de France won you in. <laughs> <laughs> that little box there. But I think you got quite used to that setup there. That, well, that was good in there, wasn't it? It was very cosy, I must say that. Um, <laughs> we've already gone through that, actually, with, with uh, Australian television. I don't think they've got any bigger rooms, actually, in the studios we use. They're all pretty much the same because they're not meant to do what we're doing with them. But uh, I will have larger monitors, which is a big bonus because uh, – looking on small screens when all you guys are on your 60-centimetre TVs and then wonder why I don't recognise somebody, you have to see the size of my monitor. And I've got five of them, by the way, so I can see everybody else as well. It's a, it's, you get used I have, to it. I've never have seen the size of your monitor. Actually, by the end of the three weeks hey, of France last year, I enjoyed, I enjoyed working in that studio. Great people around me looked after me. Um, it was a very bizarre scene, though, putting a mask on to walk outside the room to go to the toilet and stuff. We had nice. Waddy, and he's, he's gone, gone again. Uh, I this think is, he's in trouble, though. This is comical. I think uh, <laughs> someone's tapped in. Hey, speaking of uh, of monitors, guys, so with the way we're doing the, the commentary with Phil in London and Anamirs and I in Melbourne, we'll also have a camera on us, and Phil will have an extra monitor to be able to see us, and we'll have the same on him. So... Um, normally when you're beside each other and, and you want to you know, make a point or do something, you can touch each other or you know, wave, whatever, tap them, elbow them. Whereas in this situation, obviously, we're in different continents. So we'll be able to wave to Phil. He can wave to us if he wants to jump in so that we don't uh, talk over the top of each other, which you know, is the, the biggest no-no when it comes to, to commentary. So that, that will be it, – it's not just a challenge for us. That's what the AFL football – NRL, they've all been doing that here in Australia as well, commentating from different studios around 
uh, Australia. But this will be, uh, you know, unique for the Olympic coverage to have Phil in London and us in in Melbourne. And and I know Phil is as disappointed as I am, in particular, about not being at the track in in uh, in Tokyo. Because the atmosphere at an Olympic velodrome, when it's packed with fans, which of course it won't be this time, um, is absolutely unbelievable. And you know, the, one of the highlights of either my professional racing career or post racing career is still being next to Phil at the London Olympic Games when Sir Chris Hoy won the Kieran. It was his last games; he was retiring after it. And you know, I don't personally know Chris, you know, that well, but just the atmosphere in the London Velodrome when he won was just extraordinary. And that's something that I'm really going to miss. Well, mate, Chris, I went to the Australian Tennis Open with Chris. But anyway, it's another story. <laughs> oh, righto, John. Um, Phil, does it get harder as the years go on with all these new riders and all the research that's in to get all the names right? Is that How's that process? Well, getting the names right is always a problem. We finally nailed uh, Pogaccia, Pogaccia. Uh, it took a while. The, uh, he followed on from Peter Sagan. Even Sagan couldn't say his name for the first few years. We told us so. Um, that's the only thing. You've got to keep a... There's no doubt that cycling from the participant point of view has changed enormously over these last few years. And um, although we got Joe Domboski win a stage of the Giro yesterday, but he was 30 years of age. And uh, we're looking at the youngsters now. And at 30 years of age, if I was an... I ride my bike, I'd be feeling very, very old, as in fact it is Nibali. He feels as though he's up against a, a complete rebellion from the young kids now. So that's different. And, and you've got to watch your racing every day to see how these guys are coming through. And Evenepoel, who might still be in with a chance of surprising us in the Giro, because he's right there at the moment, um, he's a name that would already have been at the top, but for his accident in the Tour Lombardia. So, yeah, that, that is very important. And, of course, don't forget, Olympics normally is every four years. And so I really only do track cycling now every four years. And so I've got to really work on the track riding. And although I know many of the riders, some of them personally, um, no, I've got to dig very, very deep to make sure we, we get the, the, sell the right story to the people who are watching. And for that reason, working away from the actual games is very difficult because we take a lot of our enthusiasm uh, from the atmosphere inside the velodrome, which you sense from the moment you walk in the door. And all the commentators doing something different. Normally I'd see them on the Tour de France, now at the Olympic Games, and we talk old times, and they, they'll tell us about riders we've, we never watch normally race. Uh, watch out for this girl. She's really, really good. She's come from so-and-so. We're not going to find that out anymore because we won't miss the atmosphere. Scuttlebutt, yeah, exactly. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and we love the atmosphere. After all, that's why we do the job. But, um, some some would say in Scotty's case, he does it for the money, but I do it for the sheer. <laughs> well, we were <laughs> so talking. We were talking about it the other day about how this is just going to be the norm for a lot of these bigger networks. I mean, NBC, uh, they'd have a cast of thousands and, and they would have saved a heap of money last year. And when we were speaking to you on the podcast, the numbers were, were through the roof. So, you know, cost and reward looks like uh, they'll, they'll probably adopt this even if the restrictions did shift, you'd think. I mean, they're still going to send people, but... Sure, they have. The reporters go there. I can tell you, in fact, that... Um... We do, I worked for NBC on the tour last year, which was in uh, September time. And uh, it was such a success. We had our biggest viewing audience for over 10 years, which was incredible. Uh, the cost, I'm sure, 
particularly as they owned the studios in London where I was working from, the cost was minimal. I didn't even get travel expenses. It was too easy. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, they, they saved a lot of money. It got twice the viewers. So what does that tell you? They took the immediate decision, although they haven't told me this, but I, I figured they took the immediate decision to do the tour this year from the same point because they knew that COVID would not be clear. And it was the right call because you can't go and set the whole thing up, get all your hotels booked and then knock it off on the head again. That's when you lose money. So um, I'll be back in London for the Tour de France as well. Um, Phil, I, I spoke to your co-commentator for the Tour de France for NBC, Christian Vanderveld, mm -hmm. and he he said a figure something like $7 million was saved by NBC by not right. going to the Tour last year. And if the coverage, and this is the problem that we commentators have, is if you, you always want to just do the best job you can, you know, make sure that you're delivering for the audience. And if you do mm -hmm. a great job when you're not on the ground at the event, and then they save $7 million, you're not going back again. And the bean counters will just look well, at that and say, well, why, why would we? Well, this is the problem. As you know, the tour is coming off NBCSN at the end of this year, as is all sports, as far as I understand it, because NBCSN will will go. And um, we'll probably turn up. The tour de France is confirmed because there's a contract between NBC and the organisation for the years to come. But many sports in the States will lose their place uh, because the channel's going down at the end of this year. So, yeah, money, well, what, not like the old days working for American television. Money is very tight in America now in broadcast. Well, one thing that uh, Dave McKenzie brought up that was interesting is they did a survey for SBS and the majority of viewers voted that they wanted people on the ground or at least the crew on the ground. And they said, oh, well, that's good enough. So what you might need to do is just pump out a survey, Phil, just to all the American <laughs> viewers and say, do you, want, yeah. do you want us on the ground if you really want to go? Just go for oh, it. We, we put Adam Blythe, the British ex-pro. We wrote yeah. Dell. He got on the back of a motorbike. And Adam speaks my language. He comes from where I was brought up. He's, he's a Cheshire Cheshireite. And uh, near, near Liverpool, he probably wouldn't admit to it. Um, he was absolute natural. And well, I, I don't know, but as far as I know, he's back on again for the Tour de France. And I hope so, because he was just seeing things as an ex-bike rider. The lads knew him. They would come along in the peloton and bang him on the back as they were all past him on the motorbike. They were that friendly. So he, and he was a very good reporter, a natural. So I'm hoping he's back. And he, he was my lifeline. He really was many, many times out there because he was my eyes and my mouth when I, when I needed him, you know. Uh, we've had a comment come in uh, from Peter Morris. It says, half of Hollywood is in Melbourne shooting movies, but we won't let Phil in. Well, you are you are a Hollywood star, Phil. You've had your documentary come out. Surely well, you can pull some strings, mate. Well, what did you, you do, Phil? What did you do to, to, to get there? I know Phil was at the airport the other day. There was a big, <laughs> a big sign up. It had a picture of a cigarette with a line through it, and next to that was a picture of Phil Lee with a line through it. So no, what no, did that you was, do? That, that was you on the stage of the Giro d'Italia, John, many years ago. <laughs> I know that. Um, in fairness, the immigration in Australia are my friends. When I arrive, they always say, oh, it's Phil back and they're racing on again. And they've always had great conversation. Uh, so I've got, no, they, they've not banned me, but uh, the, the international travel uh, into Australia isn't allowed from here, um, unless you go through a, a few hoops. Um, for that reason, I wasn't able to do the tour down under, but hopefully I'll be back in January for the tour down under. Our restrictions to international flying are easing next week, but they're going to the green countries. 
uh, and that's basically Europe, like Portugal. Um, we can't Let's get, get serious, Phil. Let's get serious, mate. Just two of that other stuff. What about the Bay Crits? Well, we must do those as well, John. But that exactly. Then, then you're you invited. Might not, you're invited. You might not let me in. I, do, no, no. I, I do have a solution for you, Phil. Um, Matt yeah. Damon. So I'm I'm in northern New South Wales, where I am at the moment, and just down the road is Byron Bay, and Matt Damon is filming something in Australia recently. He may still be here. And when he came over, he had to do his quarantine like everybody does, which you would have mm -hmm. to do, Phil. But they no. had him they had him put up in a place just out the back of Byron Bay very nice, bit of a ranch, beautiful place. About $100,000 a week, I think, was the cost of this place that Matt had, had his family in. So we just need to sort that out for Channel 7, get this $100,000 joint for you, and then you can come out a couple of weeks before, before the, the, uh, the Olympics. You'll be fine. Well, that's the problem, though. I'm, I'm already calling the Tour de France, and the period isn't there for me to transfer from the Tour to the Olympics and serve the quarantine. That's the real crux of the matter. Um, if I was able, if there was no Tour de France, I could come out second week of July, put my feet up, pay my hundred thousand dollars, enjoy life, and then go and cover the Olympics with you, Scotty. But it doesn't happen. But it'll it, only be a quarter of your contract for the games as well with Channel Seven. Well, so this is true. Yeah, but after the phone call tomorrow, I think I'll be on half fee. Who knows? <laughs> um, well, Matt, Matt Damon is in Australia because he did a live cross yesterday from a local TAB in uh, on the Today Show, and they had yeah, all the screens up, the Dapno dogs. Yeah. yeah, he loved it. If you've served your time, you can you can go out in amongst it all, you know. And um, that's absolutely you mentioned though uh, about the Phil Liggett, the voice of cycling film, the documentary, which is now on general release in Australia. And the other week, uh, this is a lovely story from my point of view. The other week I we did a showing in Mornington on the peninsula outside of Melbourne, uh, by Arthur's seat where John is always having his bike races. And he um I did a QA after the show. Linked in by the cinema, full screen, and I could see the audience. It was fantastic. And so they'd all enjoyed the, the film, which made me rather happy. And then the third guy to stand up and ask a question of me said, um, he said, hi, I'm, I won't give you his real name. I'm Mark from, uh, from New Zealand. I've, I just want to say I've always admired your commentary, but until I saw your film, I hadn't realized just how much you do for conservation of the wildlife of both Africa and Australia. And um, I want to give you $10,000. And I had a bad line. I, could, I thought he said, I said, excuse me, did you say $10,000? He said, yes, because his line back was uh, not so good, but he could hear me perfectly. So guess what? This morning, $10,000 has arrived for distribution to the charities in uh, Africa. Uh, as of, and when I finish this, this blog, I'm sending money over across to South Africa to help with the rhino situation. Uh, over there, oh, and so fantastic. I, 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 was, I was speechless. It's, it's difficult to make me speechless, but I just didn't know how to react. And he just calmly said, "I want to give you ten thousand dollars," and I just couldn't believe it. And and the money's arrived this morning. It exchanged at five thousand five hundred and thirty pounds. How is it? How is it all going over there with the the rhino situation at the moment? Well, we, COVID has been actually a bonus because. With no international flights out of South Africa, they can't get the horn out to Vietnam or China uh, or even the United States. And so um, there's been no reason to poach it because they couldn't do anything with it. But now uh, they've released a little bit, so it's getting a little bit easier. And there's a rumor that the poaching has started again. All I can say is the earlier where my charity is, 
touch wood, we haven't lost an animal for a year now, and that's a, that's pretty much a record. So we're very happy. What yeah. uh, do you know? What the numbers are? Do you have off the top of your head? Do you know what the sort of numbers of the white rhino is? Very low. Um, looking back ten years ago, we had twelve and a half thousand at least for white rhino. There's a, a few fewer black rhino, uh, but on the last, the trouble is the authorities will not give you the real figures. There's corruption within the authorities, particularly of the Kruger Park. And so there's no real figures coming out, but having driven the Kruger many times, knowing how many rhinos I used to see, how many I find now, I put the figure at the time to three and a half thousand. And just of late, I've heard the rumors that that figure is down to two and a half thousand. So um, we're, we're fighting a battle, a big battle. We have a rhino orphanage, which I also look after, well, not look after, but uh, on the charity. Um, and fortunately, the animals are being saved because they don't take the baby rhino, but the baby rhino needs mum and they kill mum on the spot. And when we find her dead, the, the young rhino is squeaking and nowhere to go, won't leave the side of his dead parent. And we get those into the orphanage and we bring them up and then they go back in there. It's a terrible story. Um, have you been able to, oh, well, obviously with COVID, but when will we be able to go back to South Africa? Hopefully, uh, I've... I was actually running a mountain bike event for VIPs in a big, big super game reserve in the Eastern Cape in August. We cancelled it last year because of COVID, and we will have to cancel it this year with no choice. Uh, but it will go in April next year. And uh, But what I'm doing, and this is terrific, I've got involved with an app known as Fulgaz, F-U-L-G-A-Z.com, named after right, Ian Paul, by the way, always saying he was going full gas. And... Um, we filmed around this uh, beautiful game reserve, sits on 55,000 hectares. We've got all the big five there. I was going to take our mountain bikes amongst them with all these VIPs. Uh, that'll come next year. Now, the local rangers have filmed the whole route. And now, full guys, it's a virtual app, of course, but the pictures are real. So now you get on board, you pay, I think it's $40, which goes straight to the charities. And you ride on, on the four occasions I'm going to bring on some pro cyclists and people that know what they're talking about on rhinos. And we'll all ride together around the estate on, uh, on, on, the, on the, the smart trainer. And I'll be interviewing the guys on the way. So, so John, I'll expect to see you on board. Get your $40. Out. Yeah, where, how do people get uh, involved, Phil? Uh, yeah, I'm going, I'm going, it's, been, it's being actually firmed up today. We've done the 30-second trailer. Then it'll be put out on Twitter and, and Facebook. Um, um, if you can't wait, you go to kareka.com, uh, which is the um, the website. Kareka is spelled K-A-R-I-E-G-A. And that's, well, when you uh, get that link, send it through to us, mate, and we'll put it on the detour. Uh, you know, Thank you, I will, because we're going to have sure. fun. Um, yeah. uh, my next call is probably going to be to one or two cyclists. Say, guys, you've got to help me out here. Who cares about the Giro d'Italia? Get on my app. And so it was K A R I E G A dot com. Is that right? I think it's dot com, but it's Kereka Game Reserve, and it'll come up. Okay, all right. It might we'll be dot com. Yeah, I question. think my mate Zaz uh, 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 was going on that ride uh, with you, uh, Phil. Is that correct? Sorry. I think Vaz was going on that ride with Vaz, you. Vaz has been absolutely brilliant. Um, we yeah. we we asked his opinion. He can't get out yet to to South Africa because the country don't fly there. So um, he paid his deposit two years ago, and I still got his money, and he doesn't want it back. So he will be coming next year now, um, and so is everybody else. We only we because of the size of the reserve, 
and we wanted every camp they had. They're all luxury camps. And you'd love this, John, because even the beer and the wines included in the price we charge, which is not unreasonable. Oh, wow. Well. And all the donation to the to the reserve is included in and my charity. Um, and we are, it will happen next April. I will go along with Trish and we've got the rangers queued up. They will ride back and front with rifles and they will guide us through the safe parts of the reserve. And you don't have to ride. If you bring your wife, for example, uh, they get the game riding behind on the game vehicle in the viewer uh, where the ranger will explain everything they see. We have a boat trip on a river which runs through the whole reserve. Yeah, it's going to be fabulous. It's only six nights, but it'll be very, very special. A lot of my Sorry. old friends have uh, said yes. Um, Phil, do say hello to Trish because we did see just before the door opened in the background. So we know, we, we know she's home. Say hi to her for us. But um, we just have a friend call who we met at the uh, World Championships in Harrogate in 2018. And we haven't seen her since. Just popped up on the doorstep. Um, and so she's, she's and they're actually talking about this very trip I'm telling you about right now. So oh, that's great. I have a, a logistical question for you about that mountain bike uh, ride. Um, is it is it um, uh, advisable for anyone that does that ride um, to stay in the middle of the pack? Because I would imagine that the big cats would try and pick off anyone that's at the front or at the very back. <laughs> well, that's what lines do, you know. They sort of... <laughs> They trap, take one out the pack and then they surround it and then the lioness is moving and they, they make you run, but you'll never outrun the lioness at full pelt. Uh, something like that, Scott. Yeah, you'll be fine. My boys are well trained. <laughs> you'll be fine. And you don't have to do it, of course. You can stay on the back. But uh, And we've got great talkers too, the guys that know all about the, the rhinos and the lions. They'll, they'll hey. love it. They'll love it. Hey, Phil, we're talking about your doco, obviously, but uh, I was talking to you yesterday on the show and there was a bit of hype around Bradley Wiggins putting his hand up and saying, that's it, I'm doing a film, it's going to come out next year, it's oh going to cover goodness. the 10 years. And he sounds, I, I think, we go the last 12 months, I mean, he's sort of, sort of morphing into, he went from sort of this Noel Gallagher or Liam Gallagher type, now he's got this real hard edge, there's photos of him in the pipe jacket, he's got the tats, he's got the bunger. I think he's going to really tee off, and, and this doco could be absolutely – this could be huge. Well, it, it will, you know, Bradley, it's going to be controversial anyway. I mean, his life has been very much up and down since winning the Tour de France, and, um, and as, uh, I think he's still separated from his wife, etc. Uh, he looked very different. I saw him for the first time on television two days ago because he's working on Eurosport um, with a full beard and a bald head, and I – I'll be honest, I didn't recognise him till he spoke. And uh, yeah. crikey, this is Bradley. Um, he's, a, he's an incredibly intelligent guy. Um, he's gone through his ups and his downs. Yeah, it'll be all I can say is it'll be controversial. I've never actually spoken to Brad uh, since just after he won the Tour de France in 2012. Um, just with our paths never crossed. That's the way it is. Yeah. Is, is Guy Ritchie going to direct this? Because this, this sounds like more of a lock, stock and two smoke and barrels <laughs> or a snatch for sure. It could well be. Your guess yeah. will be as good as mine. But uh, he, he lets these snippets drop out in the press, watches, I'm sure, with a smile on his face when he sees how they bite. Uh, yeah. We'll see what comes out. Yeah. Does it get I, much I, press I, in the UK? Do they drum, drum it up still? Um, I personally haven't seen it, but you're talking to a man who's never bought a British newspaper for over 14 months. So maybe. Well, there you go. I wouldn't know. <laughs> um, just just uh, on, on Brad, 
I've had a couple of chats with him in, in the last 18 months, really, just you know, through social media conversations going on between the two of us. And, um, yeah, he, he has had a really up and down um, period over the last couple of years in particular. Um, so I am interested to see how this movie does part, play out because it hasn't been straightforward for Brad. You know, it wasn't just this no. fairy tale trip of win the Tour de France. You know, he loves the sport. He's, he is actually a, an historian of the sport. He loves it. Mm. But but there is there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that he's really been having to deal with. Um, yeah. And being in the UK, like if he was an Australian athlete, he might be able to, to go through it. But in the UK with the tabloid press, it just would not be fun at all. So I do feel for him. He ha- has had a tough time. Yeah. Um, totally yeah. Ify, there was another comment that came in from Dave the Diesel Adderley. He said, has Brooks from the Shawshank Redemption been around to give John a book yet? Set dressing is on point. <laughs> that, that is a brilliant comment, Diesel. Love it. Uh, Brooks, Brooks okay, okay. Yeah. What a book. I, I get the point. I get the point. All right. Um, anything else you want to add in there, Ify? No, no, it's great to uh, have a chat, Phil. And, um, yes, uh, the, uh, the contract's in the mail for the Bay Quits uh, January 1. So, uh, and uh, it will be a while. And uh, uh, Jerry has also said that we're going to have New Year's Eve uh, uh, together again. So, we'll, we'll get well, you we're desperate to get back. Our life has been, uh, I've not been to London Airport, which is my second home since last may in the next 10 days it'll be exactly a year where is that year gone i've no idea because we've been kind of locked down since we got back um life has changed last time we saw you in the flesh phil i got stitched up because jerry said he'd organized this roast for phil and i thought oh sweet sweet roast i'll get the one wood out and you know give him a bit of a clip so i got a chance to speak early and i got up there and said you know was lucky enough to visit Phil in 2007 and and I saw something I haven't seen since and that was at Phil's local bar and he shouted a round of drinks. I said he wouldn't leak in the bath, old Phil, and all I could hear was cutlery on plates and like no one laughed and they'll see Phil looking at me and then I was like, what's going on here? And then everyone, all the speakers were just sucking up the nice. bum the whole time. I I know. Afterwards I said, Jerry, that was meant to be a roast. I was the only bloke that gave him a clip. He goes, no, Dan, I, I said it was a roast. Like we had roast lamb and veggies. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were all friends together. And that was actually, I didn't realize what was going on. And when I walked in, the, Jerry had brought so many friends from around Australia to that lunch. Uh, that was a, a very wonderful special day. Yeah. 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 Well, I hope I didn't offend you, man. It was just a joke. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, um, well, and I, I know I speak on behalf of everyone when I say that. Look, it's always like, for me, it's been an absolute privilege to work with you, Phil, and, and to you know that, that Chris Hoy, that Chris Hoy um, uh, race, the Kieran that he won, was one of those things where I looked across at you just to make sure that you were mid sentence. So, and you didn't need me anyway. You could have just kept going without me. But when I knew you were mid sentence in commentary, then I took my headphones off because I just wanted to hear the atmosphere yeah. within that London velodrome. Um, so to go through that, watching him, listening to it, sitting beside you, you know, for me, it's been just an absolute uh, privilege. I do have a question for you before you go, though. Just on the Giro, uh, we know, you know, you're so well known for, for commentating the Tour de France, but what stories do you have of time spent commentating or working on, on the Giro d'Italia? Do you know what? I used to do the Giro in its entirety three months after the race for a video. And I used to voice in hotel rooms around the world, but I've never been, I've very rarely been to Italy. 
and I certainly have never been to the Giro d'Italia. A bit like Sean Kelly in that respect, because Sean yeah. never rode the Giro d'Italia. But um, yeah. it's a wonderful race, and I, I feel it's a big loss in my life, to be honest, because, okay, the Tour de France was what everybody knew and understood, and I'm very privileged and happy to have said over the 48 years that I've, uh, I've really spread the word of the Tour de France to the English speaker. But I would have loved to have gone. I think the Italians have the finest lifestyle of us all, and I think their racing is terrific. And I like the Italians very much, but sadly, my life never took me to Italy, and uh, that's the way it is. But I think we're in for a great Giro this time, Scott, and I think it'll be a good one. I can tell that you've got a, a lot of regard for the Giro because even your lamp uh, up behind your head there, Phil, has got the uh, the Giro pink. So it's a sort of a, a ah. Mayo Ro Rosa uh, lamp. That's true. Yeah, but that was put there in 1982, John. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Phil, you, you talk about doing the the Giro commentary you know for that you know package months after people I don't think people realize how hard that is like I've actually yes, just yes. been putting together we had the Grafton in Burrell uh, last weekend and mm. I've only just finished today doing the highlight show that's going to be on SBS next weekend for that the week before yeah. we did the Melbourne to Warrnambool and it is so much better and easier to do live commentary 100%. compared to this post-produced stuff a three-week grand tour that must have been terrible for you to do it is because a lot of things happen. And sometimes you might say a performance of a guy that he did after he rode the Giro, you're actually talking about. Uh, it was in the future. So you've got to be extremely <laughs> careful. You have to remind yourself exactly uh, which year it is and forget the fact that he died two years down the road because he's not there here. And it's, it's, uh, it's a challenge. And, of course, when you go to a studio, it's paid time by the minute. The guy's in a hurry. He doesn't want to spend more than three or four hours recording studio costs so it doesn't want you to just take to half an hour out while you check everything just go just get it done just go it's it's paul showing and i had many a laugh uh, but we all occasionally looked at each other and said you know what uh, but yeah but the, the tapes were great and the giro is a great race so i'll tell you one quick story andy hampson what it means the giro means so much to the italians just like the mario i think it means more the mario rosa to the Italians than the Mario Jean does to the French because they're absolute nutters on the sport in Italy. And when Andy Hampson finally won the Giro, overnight he became an unbelievable superstar. And I was riding with him uh, in Italy, funnily enough, on the rare occasions I went cycling with Andy Hampson. And he says, Phil, I want to take you to this um, Fischetto guy with all his legs of pork hanging up. Uh, and he walked in, and because he was Andy Hampson, this guy, oh, he's unbelievable. And he was bringing down the best sides of meat that we could buy off him, and he gave it to Andy. Andy, when he, and that was in 88, I think it was, when Andy won the Giro. And we were now looking early 2000s, and Andy now lives back home in the States. Unbelievable, uh, never forgotten situation. Uh, Andy Hampson can't go anywhere in Italy because he won the tour of... Uh, so was he going nuts for Andy or was he going nuts? Oh, Phil Liggett, you bloody beauty. <laughs> it does happen on the case, but not on this one. <laughs> uh, good stuff. All right, before we let you go, boys, final prediction for today's stage. Who you think is going to win again? Ooh. Iffy? Caleb? Caleb. Yep. And well, I've, always, I've had to say Grona Regan because uh, that's one of 50 pounds has gone, according to Scotty. But um, <laughs> Caleb is the guy that if he wins, he'll make it look so easy. He reminds yeah. me of Robbie McEwen. He finishes from, suddenly from nowhere. He's on the front. 
uh, and he's a sensational sprinter. Uh, yeah. Forget the first day. You make two. Everybody wants the front. It's highly dangerous. It's a risky business. And so um, Caleb, I think, kept his nose clean. It might be a different day today for him, but I, I fancy going away. All right. And Scotty? I have to go for Mark Ewan's son, Caleb. And Mark was a former rider, right guy he used to race with, you know, his dad. So uh, I've got to go for his son, uh, my old mate's son, Caleb Ewan, for sure. Little bit of useless trivia for you, as I like to throw in. The finish um, tonight is in Catolica. It's on the coast just south of Rimini. It's also the birthplace of Marco Simoncelli, who was a former MotoGP rider who tragically passed away in 2011 at the Malaysian Grand Prix when he crashed. And his best friend, uh, Valentino Rossi, ran over the top of him. And that's what Uh. uh, killed him, unfortunately. So, yeah, former Mm. MotoGP rider Marco Simoncelli is from this place. Well, there you go. A to finish track. on a downer. To finish on a downer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I, no, I can finish on a... Let's finish on a high note. Tell us a joke. When I rode the Giro back uh, 40 years ago, I remember uh, Modena, where, 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 where the stage starts today, um, because that's the home of uh, Lambrusca, the famous uh, uh, sparkling Lime. red. And... I wiped myself out on Lambrusca. <laughs> oh, no. Well, you would. Of course you, you did. Of course you did. Yeah. <laughs> and you probably oh. got up and won the stage. Only you and Jack Hopkins did. No, I didn't win the stage. But anyway, I thought you might like that. And keeping it relevant, so as you say, uh, what's the name of the town? Uh, Catolica. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just just down the road from where uh, we lost Alan Lang in a uh, nightclub uh, incident uh, uh, about uh, 15 years ago. But anyway. I think we've we've told that story on the show before and um, we almost (laughs) lost our podcast license, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Good times. Well, thanks again for being on the show, Phil. You're an absolute superstar. Thanks again, Scotty. I wonder what ever happened to Matty White. (laughs) I know. I don't know. Wi-Fi the stage, issues, is, the stage is starting right about now, so I think he oh, probably yeah. had to go and yeah, do his gone. job, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> All good. Well, good uh, yeah. Thanks again, mate. And uh, we'll, we'll close now with your voice again for the closing credits. It sort of freaks me out Good when man. we have you on the I'll show. So the enjoy. <laughs> See you later. <laughs>